Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey! Everybody glad you're here. We want to greet those who are watching online. Uh, You know, this is rather humiliating. When Ray comes up to preach, he grabs that table like with one hand. I look at it, I get three hernias just looking at it. Um, If you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, we are delighted uh, to have you with us. And I just want to start with a quick, fun survey. How many of you use emojis in all your texts or your 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 posts on Facebook? Oh, yeah, lots of you guys. Um, How many of you are like me and you refuse to use emojis? Anybody? On my tombstone, it'll say, no emoji, dude. Uh, how How many of you are greatly annoyed by someone like me who doesn't use emojis? So you don't know how I really feel about what I said. Get over it. How many of you don't know what an emoji is? Okay. At the 815 service, everybody (laughs) raised their hands. Um, It's a digital icon or image that communicates feelings. Here's, I mean, there are thousands of them. This is a social media phenomena. And uh, here's the number one emoji used so far this year. It means I laugh till I cry, and people use it. They're not laughing till they cry. They're like going... Hmm, that's humorous. But that's the number one use. I'm glad, I'm glad that in the top 10 is the prayer emoji. Of all the billions of of Facebook and texts that are flying around the world, this is in the top 10 of emojis used. But the one we're going to talk about in this series of talks, and I'm going to talk today and next week, and then Ray will uh, do Father's Day for us, and that will be a a game changer because he is awesome. Um, and then I'll come back and climax the series uh, the final week. Someone asked me today if Ray and I arm wrestle over which weekend that we preach. Um, okay, here's the emoji we're using today. A uh, hundred. I know I said that probably wrong. There it is. Um, it, this actually originated in Japan where school teachers, when their students would get every single answer on a test correct, they would stamp it with a hundred and an exclamation point in bright red. Kid aces the test, bam, one hundred. Now, this emoji means absolutely, a hundred percent, or keep it real. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to keep it real about yourself? You love to keep it real about other people, love to call them out, love to be honest. I'm just being honest. I call it being mean. But when it comes to being real about ourselves, we default to making excuses, blaming other people. We would rather rationalize and be real about ourselves. We even blame God. And so here's what I want us to wrestle with 
uh, over the course of this series, am I trusting God 100%? Let's just be real. Am I trusting God with 100% of my life? Or are there areas of my life and yours where we put up no trespassing signs? God, you are welcome to come into my emotions, de-stress my life, give me your peace, give me your hope, give me your joy, but don't trespass on my money. Lord, I want your miraculous work to my good in my relationships, except there are certain areas of my marriage where that's okay, hands off, God, or in our job, or in our physical well-being. Do we trust God with 100% of our lives? Now, this is such a big deal to God because I want to tell you, this is the glue that holds our relationship together with Him. And I'll just be straight with you. I'm going to start irritating people right now. It's a gift. <laughs> but the glue that holds any relationship with, together is our willingness to give sacrificially in trust. My Deb and I have been married this August. It will be 45 years. We knew each other for, yeah. Now, what gets a couple of clueless kids in 1974 to 2019 It's not that we understood marriage dynamics. It was just a willingness to give sacrificially even when the other was a jerk. And you could jerk. This is the jerk. She's the one willing to give. But that willingness to give sacrificially brought about not just an enduring marriage, but an endearing marriage. The same is true in your relationships and particularly our relationship with God. I'll just tell you right now, if if you come to the Lord's house, and you come empty-handed, um, you, you will drift from God. I'm, I'm just being real about you and me. We drift from God when we neglect to give to God. Um, not, not, not to David, but to God, because He's the one that we thank. He's the one that we honor. He's the one that we are indebted to for everything in our lives. He is our only hope. Whatever pain, whatever problem, whatever difficulty, our only hope is our relationship with God that He will rescue, deliver, and save, and be our stronghold. Now, He's a good God. So, God tests us to see if He can trust us. And the way this works Anytime any amount of money comes our way, it's a test. If you have a job, every payday is a test. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure, where your treasure is, there your, say heart, heart's a big deal. This is the question. Do you trust God with all 100% of your heart? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is is. So Jesus, he said, out of all the commands in God's Word, cover to cover, out of all the commands, there is one number one command. 
Number two is love your neighbor as yourself. Number one, you get these two commands right, bam, it has a ripple effect on every aspect and every area of your life. And here's the number one command God says, get this right. Trust me on this one. Love the Lord your God with all. We could do better than that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, 100%, 100% soul, 100% mind. And um, so I, I, I want to share some stuff with you over the course of my next three teachings uh, because I've done life in a very painful way. God could not always trust me. I failed him miserably. Um, I would lie to myself. I would just, I would rationalize. I wouldn't be real about myself. Uh, I started out my ministry as a youth minister, and in my first church, I made like $8,000 a year. <laughs> we lived in a house. Uh, we rented the house. It was $75 a month. Does that give you some insight into the quality of this home? I can't believe it. The guy that owned it was a carpenter, and everything in the house was out of plumb. You put the salt on the kitchen table and kind of slid down the table. No, no curtains in the house. We didn't have money for curtains. There was only one closet in the house. It was in the dining room. And so in the morning, we'd get out of bed and crawl through the living room so the neighbors didn't see us, into the dining room, to the closet, and get dressed. Um, And I would lie to myself about giving to God. I knew what the Bible said. I knew what my mom and dad practiced as Christ followers. But I told myself, I only make $8,000 a year. My tithe, my gift to God is my service. Now, there were times when I might give, made that $75 a month rent payment, bought some macaroni and cheese, and spam, I love spam. Sorry for those of you that just went into gag reflex. Um, but pay for our groceries, had car payments. You want to know how stupid your pastor was, not is. I had two car payments on the same car. Yeah, I mean, I want to tell you, that was an incredibly stressful burden. In fact, you could take my financial life with Debbie, and divide it up into two time periods. One time period, I was not giving anything to the Lord. We did buy a house, house payment. Did have a second mortgage on the house because we, like, added a bathroom outside. Just kidding. Um, two car payments and a credit, credit card debt of thousands of dollars. That was my life. I thought I was just I thought I was just being an American. And I was drowning in debt. I was living paycheck to paycheck and I know then I was much like you are now. At least if you're an average American. We've done thorough demographic studies of this area, this region, and it's much like the rest of America. The average person lives comfortably. Roof over their head, food on the table, cars in the driveway, clothes in the closet, and up to here in debt, living paycheck to paycheck. One 
bad financial reversal and its financial catastrophe. Well, that changed when Deb and I in 1981 moved to Beloit to be your pastor. I knew now I'm not, I don't want to say just a youth minister, but now I'm the preaching minister, and i got to preach it in front of everybody every weekend. I, if it's in the Bible, i got to live it. I just got real with myself. And so Deb and I decided, okay, the Bible teaches that we bring the first 10% of our income. This is God's three-step plan. Let me show you. It's a 10 plus 10 plus 80 equals 100 plan. The first 10 is the first 10% of my income. It belongs to the Lord. I can't give it to Him. The Bible says it's holy unto the Lord, and I can only bring it to Him because it's already His. And so in 1981, 38 years ago, that became our practice. We had two little boys. We had a house here, a house in Evansville, Indiana that had not yet sold. That house did not sell for three years. So two two electric bills, taxes down there, on and on the multiple expenses went. We were grateful there was a Sears store in Beloit that sold diapers, and we had a Sears card. And my son Jacob was grateful too. That's how he got his diapers. But I was a mess. I was tithing, bringing God the first 10%, but I was still stupid. You see, you can, you can give the Lord what is His, but still be a numbskull about finances. And I just described all that debt. Well, there came a time when the pain became unbearable. Here's what happened. We're out in California uh, at a conference. And so our church, there's in my um, compensation, there's a convention allowance. And Deb is on staff, so they flew both of us to California. They covered our hotel rooms, I mean, expensive stuff, and covered our meals. It was about $1,000. And I was very grateful because I learned so much at these conferences. Well, when we were there in Southern California, we went to a Red Robin restaurant for the first time, and I've been addicted. I've got issues. I'm in a 12-step group, but I've been addicted to onion straws ever since. In fact, last year, we took my grandson David for the first time uh, to Red Robin uh, in Janesville, and he got his first. He was three years old at the time. Got his first, his first hot fudge Sunday. It was like giving that kid crack cocaine. His eyes started to glass over. He goes, mmm. Want another bite. Um, Older couple sitting across the table from Deb and I, a a couple younger than us sitting beside us, and the older guy says to the guy beside us, hey, tell David how you covered all the expenses for your conference here, airfare, hotel, convention, everything. And But first he asked me, David, how are all your expenses covered? Well, it's a lot of money, but it's part of our church is generous, and it's how they helped me get here. I said, so how did you cover your expenses? He said, I paid it myself. I said, what? He said, yeah, I paid it out of my own pocket. Why? Because I live debt free. I'm like, that ain't American. (laughs) But man, that had an impact on me. I thought what he was saying was absolutely impossible. But I came home. I read his books. This church um, offers uh, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Universities. Our whole staff took it because it was so important. I took it. I lived it. I practiced it. And I told you the debt. 
mortgage, second mortgage, two car payments, thousands of dollars on a credit card, and I was determined to live debt-free. And so within, it's unbelievable, because here's what happens. When you when you are faithful to God with that first 10%, He starts to work miraculously. When you start to get smart, He starts to work miraculously in your finances. And I would say within a matter of four years, we were completely, not, oh my gosh, credit card off, second mortgage off, car payment off, next car payment off. I will, I will never forget the day I walked out of that bank and did a little dance totally debt-free. So for years and years and years, Deb and I have lived without a house payment, no car payments. If we want appliances or furniture, um, and she does. Um, No, I like to have a washer and a dryer. Um, Anything we want, even a vehicle. I've never bought a new car cash, but whenever one dies and we got to get another, we pay cash. We don't buy anything unless we can pay cash. We live within those boundaries because I knew the pain and the pressure and the stress of living paycheck to paycheck, and I hated it. And now I know the freedom, the pleasure, the joy, and the ability to be generous with my children and my church living debt-free. But it started with that first 10% that belongs to the Lord. Why? Why does God say that? One, it's fair for everybody. When I was making $8,000 a year, it was fair for me. And maybe you were making $80,000 at the time. It's fair for you. It's 10% for everybody. The Hebrew word for tithe means 10. But here's the purpose. God's word says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. That's why the first 10 is his. That shows God comes first. Um, and let me just be real. God owns everything. He owns the cosmos. He owns this planet. He owns everything you have, everything I have, even your next breath. He only allows us to have what we have to manage in his behalf. It's all his. So God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need yours. And here's the truth. There uh, is nothing God wants from you. Tithing is not God wanting something from you, but God wanting something for you. And I want to tell you, this is very personal to me, and I get very passionate about it. And I think my passion comes out of my nightly prayers with my Debbie when we take communion together. And we may thank God first for how good he is, but then we'll thank him for our boys and their wives and their children and how God is using them to their, His glory, and how He's taking care of them, and how He's providing for them. Because i got to tell you something, friends. Let me just add my daughter, and then we thank God for my daughter, our daughter, her boyfriend, and the good work God is doing in their lives. But if I know these principles of financial effectiveness, what kind of a jerk of a dad would I be if I didn't drill it into my kids? Because I want them to live debt-free. I, don't, I want them to think, hey, being a great American is being debt-free, not being in debt. And you're my church family. What kind of jerk of a pastor would I be if I knew this stuff is in God's Word, but I was afraid to talk about it because I know it irritates you. It irritated people when Jesus taught about it because Scripture says they loved their money. Well, that's the first tenth. And when we honor God with that first and our best, 
He blesses. He does miracles in the rest. I believe it was absolutely miraculous that in four years, he got us out of debt and keeps us out of debt. All kinds of bad stuff can happen to anybody. But God is a great God when we follow his principles. Now, the second 10 in the 10 plus 10 plus 80 equals 100. The second 10 is pay yourself. Take 10% of your income every pay period and stash it away in savings and watch it grow with compound interest. I mean, you did the work, you invested the energy, you used your talent, your brains, your charisma, your, your, your work skills. You work 40, 50 hours a week, but friends, you work all that time. You deserve your paycheck, but if all that income only goes to pay bills and at the end of the week it's all gone, you have worked for zero dollars. Your check might make the car payment, the rent payment, the house payment. <laughs> and it kind of gets me sometimes. People come up to me and say, David, if you knew my situation, it is just literally impossible. I'm happy to share it with you. It's impossible for me to give anything. And I would say, oh, you know, I could probably look and, and, and see, but do you have a cell phone? And they're like, well, yeah, I can't get rid of it. Got three or four of them in our family. Oh, so you can, uh, you can pay Verizon, but you can't bring to the Lord what is His. Do you have a car payment? Well, yeah. Oh, so you can, you can pay the credit union or the car dealership, or the bank, but hey, do you have cable TV, HBO? You know, we're saying, I want to tell you something, friends, all of this is everyone's, I've got cable TV. I wish I had the NBA station right now, but I, I have cable, we have cell phones, but those people don't make miracles in my money. Only God does. Those things, the Verizon, U.S. Cellular, banks and mortgage companies, they cannot do miracles in your money. Only God can. So we honor him first. And then we pay ourselves because we deserve it. We learn how to live within our means. And that's the 80 in the 10-10-80 plan. We live on 80% of our income. We set those boundaries. We stick to those boundaries. Next week when you come, I'll show you how to build a big, big nest egg and accrue wealth. That's next week. And then the final week is how to do that, how to live on 80% of your income. And, and the sequence is everything. Because when I was young and a fool, I did the 81st. In fact, I planned to spend money before I even made it. Have you ever been there? There's a stereo I want. I work this much. I'll make this much. I'll spend it on that. And I come home with it. And my wife says, well, I would like to have a sewing machine. Not your everyday run-of-the-mill sewing machine. A sewing machine that's equal in value to that giant stereo you just bought. Yes, dear. How to live within your means. Um, if you get that backwards, it's saying that David is God. If I, you know what? I am going to save money. But if I get that backwards, it says David is God. Me, me, me. God may get the scraps. He may get the leftovers. But I'm playing God with my finances. Let me show you. We could say it this way. Ten 
The first 10%, that's what you give or offer to the Lord or bring to his house, his church where you are fed, where you are spiritually cared for, prayed for, ministered to. Uh, 10% you say, you pay yourself. Because if you work all week and you don't pay yourself, you've worked all week for zero dollars. And then the 80 is what you spend. And when you do it in that sequence, you enjoy the rich favor of God on your finances. Now, what becomes a big stumbling block for young people? I've seen my children go through this. Tell you the truth, I went through it. Why do you think I had a car with two car payments? The uh, desire to acquire had gone haywire in me. Put me in a bad place. And that's where we all live. We see stuff other people have. I tell you what, there is no sense in trying to keep up with the Joneses. Quit that game. Go to the store. Buy a trophy. Walk over to their house. Knock on the door. Hey, you know that boat you got, that motorcycle you got, this house you live in, your landscaping? You win. I quit. Um, okay, you know... <laughs> Um, every time someone gets up in the service and goes to the restroom, I think you're mad at me. Because um, you know what we want? We want, hey, David, Ray, when you preach, help us with our marriage. Help us with our emotions. Help us with our parenting. How we want to dig deep into God's Word. Just don't talk about what Jesus talked about, about money. Because we just put up a no trespassing sign. God, keep your stinking hands off. In Jesus' name, thy will be done. Amen. <laughs> so, let me tell you a story Jesus told with a warning. Um, here's the very place that happened. This is on the Sea of Galilee. You can see uh, the mountains of Moab in the background, the Sea of Galilee. And this is in chapter 12 of Luke, what was called the Sermon on the Plain. And this is the peak of Jesus' popularity. People are coming into this place in the thousands. And the first verse in chapter 12 of Luke says, there were so many people, they were literally stepping on each other, trying to get to Jesus. Hear what Jesus had to say, touch Jesus, be touched by Jesus. And so they get there, and Jesus sees all these crowds pressing in on him. He sits down, and they sit down, and he begins to teach. And oh my gosh, they are absolutely blown away by the truth flowing out of Jesus. They've never heard anything like this before. This teacher teaches with an authority that we've never heard. This guy is amazing. Did you hear what he said? He had him right in the palm of his hand. And right in the middle of his teaching on a number of issues, this one guy sitting down stands up and interrupts, abruptly interrupts Jesus' teaching. And he shouts out at Jesus, Lord, teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Now, this is something you probably have never seen before, a family fighting over money. I've been around long enough to know that where there's a will, there's... A relative. Uh, <laughs> okay, here's what Jesus said. She said, dude, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? That stuff, I'm speaking life into you. And that stuff you're talking about, it will suck the life out of you. So Jesus turns from this guy. Guy's like, okay, sits down, 
And Jesus turns to the throng, the crowd of thousands, and shouts out for everyone to hear these words. It's a warning. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not defined by what you have or even what you get, even if you have a lot or get a lot. And then um, Jesus stood up, straightened his robe, walked over to this guy, reached into a pocket in his robe, and pulled out a coupon to a tattoo parlor in Capernaum. (laughs) Says, man, I want you to go in town and get this tattooed on your left thigh. And here's what he had him get the tattoo. I'm making this up. He said, possessions and the desire for more money will suck the life out of you. There will be coupons at the door for you, your tattoo. Possessions and the desire for more, more money, more money, more money will suck the life out of you. Jesus speaks life into you. He wants the privilege of speaking life into your marriage. He wants the privilege of speaking life into your emotions. He wants the privilege of speaking life into your parenting. And one of the things that happens every night when Deb and I pray and take communion, we are like, God, in addition to our boys and our daughter and the people they love and how you're using them and the good work you're doing in them, Lord, thank you for how good you've been to us financially. And Lord, pour out more. Open up the floodgate. Don't stop. Open up the floodgates of heaven over our life and pouring out more blessing than we have room enough to hold. Because yes, he will always return anything that you give to him and more. But his promise there is for every area of my life, my family, my children, my grandchildren, sure, my financial well-being, also my physical well-being, my mental well-being, my emotional well-being. And for my children in all those regards, I call down the goodness of God. Um. And so Jesus, man, he just kicks. This was Jesus. This is classic Jesus. He just kicks right into a story. Here's the story. Certain rich man had a fertile farm producing fine crops. And he said to himself, big major league mistake. This is the first indication we get in this story is that this guy is going down the tubes. This guy is going down the toilet. This guy is going south because this guy went to himself instead of to God. Instead of praying to God, dear God, thank you. Instead of using that prayer emoji, he was crying, laughing until he cried about all that he had. Instead of praying to God, he talked to himself. And here's what he said. Notice all the times. And I'm just going to give you the emphasis Jesus might have given. But look at all the times this guy talks about himself. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, You, self, have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And as soon as he said those words, he he felt this pressure in his chest like somebody was crushing his heart, like somebody was sitting on his chest. And it was painful. It was excruciating. And then the pain goes to his arm. And up to his shoulder, to, to his neck and his jaw, and he's sweating profusely, and, and he's kind of lightheaded and kind of dizzy. He tries to stand. He can't move. He, he tries to talk, cry for help. He can't speak. And just like that, bam, that heart explodes. He dies in a heap. 
And before there's even a, a funeral, God speaks a eulogy over what this man has done with his life. God says, you fool. Now, Jesus did not criticize this man for being rich. Rich is good. Rich is better than poor. Rich is better than living paycheck to paycheck. Everyone can be rich. You know what Scripture says? And my Debbie and I pray this every night. Scripture says you will be made rich in every way, that you might be generous on every occasion, and through your generosity, thanksgiving will go up to God. It's our choice. If we do the 10, 10, 80 deal, God gets us rich, gives us rich favor and gets us to better, gets us out of the pit of death and the stress of living paycheck to paycheck. Nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing wrong with having a good business in sense. Business sin. Yeah, there's that too. Business sense and having a farm with fertile soil and abundant crops. We've got a God of abundance, abundance joy, abundant peace, abundant love. Abundant grace, abundant mercy. But Jesus calls him a fool, and Jesus uses the term fool for anyone who has no thought of God, who doesn't think about God's work and the difference they could make there, who doesn't think to thank God that everything has come from him, and it's only by his grace that we have anything. We have even our next breath. Jesus said, that is foolish. What does the Old Testament say, book of Psalms? The fool believes in his own heart that there is no God. Now, he might say he believes in God, but he makes no place for God or his work in his life. You fool, this very night, your life is demanded of you. Now, don't think that God takes us. I think he welcomed your aunt, open arms, I think he, he welcomes people, but this man, death was demanded. He thought he had all the bases covered, but the one predictable, inevitable life experience didn't occur to him. Everyone has an expiration date. Everyone dies. Then, when your life is demanded of you, when, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And then Jesus gives a warning. This is how it will be for Anyone, anyone is me, anyone is you, anyone is everyone. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself and is not rich toward God. So it brings us back to our question for us to wrestle with. Am I trusting God with 100% of my life? Because the deal is God already owns 100%. Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. So can I trust God, or will I steal from God what is rightfully His? Isn't that the question God asks? Will a man, will a person rob God, yet you rob me? And you ask, God, how, how, how the heck do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, bring the whole tithe into my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing over every area of your life, you will not have room enough for it. So this is what I want for you. I don't want anything from you. What I want for you is to do your family, your marriage, your parenting, your emotions, your life under the floodgates of heaven opened with blessing over you. 
So I'm going to offer you two things this morning. Once every three months, four times a year, we do a love offering. And today it's to help hurting children in dark places around the world through Lennox Barnett Ministries. And hurting children right here in our own backyard through our outdoor outreach. We bust these children out uh, to a very beautiful outdoor setting. We feed them every day. We let them experience the Creator and His creation, and they come to know Jesus uh, with a passion uh, to make Him known. And so every dime you give today will go directly to those two ministries, and you will find what Jesus promises. Would you grab this insert out of the brochure? I'm going to give you, in addition, a 100-day generosity challenge. For the next 100 days, just test God. Try Him out. See if He doesn't deliver every time and more. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, get this, give and you will receive. You can't outgive God. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You cannot give God. So I'm saying try this for 100 days. See if God's a liar. See if God's just messing with you. Or if God is telling you the truth. I had to find it out for myself. I am grateful that the second half of our marriage and the second half of our financial life is marked by living debt-free. No more stress. There are problems, and we'll solve them with the resources God has given us, but no more pressure. God is good and will not fail. So for some of you, if you've been coming to the Lord empty-handed, just say, hey, you know what? Because you don't begin to be a generous person by accident. You begin to plan it. And maybe it freaks you out to think of 10% of my income. No way. That preacher is cray-cray. And so you just start with something. If 10% seems out of reach, start with 3%. But have a plan. Next year I'll do four, and the next year five, and I'm going to get to where Jesus is calling me to get. But I'll give something. Everyone can give something. I will begin to give for the first time. I will begin tithing for the first time. Oh, baby, hold on to your seat because you are on a wild ride. I will return to tithing. I drifted. And I lost my trust in God. I will increase my giving. I already tithe and will continue to do so. These are the people that fill this out first. Hey, dude, David, I'm all good. Or maybe you'll want to continue to give beyond the tithe. Um, My Jake is going to do a baptism. And uh, that goes beyond price. And uh, Lennox is going to come out and lead us. And uh, after my prayer, we'll show you a video of his ministry. And then we'll offer the Lord our gifts to help children that are hurting here and around the world. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, would you fall on this place with your goodness? Would you be a comfort uh, to people I upset today? And would you upset some people, Lord, who've been too comfortable with their relationship with you? You're a good God, and we trust you, Lord, with 100% of our heart and our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.